I'm Listening is Odyssey's commitment to mental health conversations. If you or someone you know is struggling with thoughts of suicide, depression, anxiety, or mental illness, help is available. Call or text 988 to reach the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. That's 988. From a mule that's rolled down Pennsylvania Avenue. He is a life-size statue of a mule. He's, he's on the main highway, on Highway 84. And uh, he was invited to be a part of the parade and the inauguration for President George W. Bush. To a city name that has little to do with actual guns or barrels. It's as simple as the street was as straight as a gun barrel. And so that's why they named it Gun Barrel City. There's Klondike, about 12 miles northeast of Commerce. Tarzan, no, not the man raised by apes. That is actually a town. It's out near Midland. And one of my favorites, Ding Dong. (laughs) That's an unincorporated community just south of Fort Hood. I'm Bailey Friday, and this week on Texas Wants to Know, we explore how some of our state cities got such unusual names. Gun Barrel City. It's a name that sounds straight out of the Wild West. The reason why it was called Gun Barrel Lane is because that road was as straight as a gun barrel, (laughs) which is kind of silly and simple, but that's just (laughs) um, (laughs) what they came up with. Brooke Atkinson is a city planner and runs social media in Gun Barrel City. So they decided to petition the county um, and form a city called Gun Barrel City. It's a relatively young city located just about an hour southeast of Dallas. Cedar Creek Lake was built in, or it was completed in uh, 1967. And um, after its completion, the 12 citizens got together and we've got uh, stuff that says that they were coined the Dirty Dozen. (laughs) They got together and petitioned the county to form, incorporate a city called Gun Barrel City. They chose that name because there was a road that is now, today, we call it Gun Barrel Lane or Highway 198. Mm -hmm. And it was used for horse racing and buggy racing. That's not to say there aren't any connections to the Wild West. We do know that when it was known before it was Gun Barrel, it was known as the Bethel community. And, um, Bonnie and Clyde actually hung out in this area and they actually were arrested in our one of our neighbor cities uh, camp. And I believe I heard that they have uh, like a jail there where Bonnie was arrested and it's still there today. Brooke heard right. The one room jail where Bonnie was held for a few days in April 1932 is still standing. It's right off Highway 175 in southeast Kaufman County. It would be a great quick stop on a road trip or if you're just heading toward Gun Barrel City. Okay, so the city's motto, which is amazing, is we shoot straight with you. We shoot straight with you. Shoot. Guns. Is that just a play on the city's name? No, so I actually have a pretty great story behind that. Yeah, that would make too much sense. So in 1975, the city put out a contest for whoever can come up with the best motto for the city. We had a ton of entries. Some of the top three were, 
or the top three were City of Square Shooters and Happiness in, is Living in Gun Barrel City. And the winner, which is what we have today, is We Shoot Straight With You. The winner was by a Mr. Jim Malone. He was actually a member on our fire department at the time. And when he um, went to enter the contest, he had asked his dad, he just said, how about we shoot straight with you? And his dad responded, well, do you think it'll win? And he said, I don't know, but I'll give it a try. <laughs> um, we actually, in 2019, on our on our city's 50th anniversary, we gave Jim the key to the city. Whether the city name and motto are related or not, they have sparked some creative ideas to try to drive business to the area. There's been a lot of uh, economic development corporation directors here who have tried to promote a campaign of Made in Gun Barrel City. Robin Sakura is the executive director of the Gun Barrel City Economic Development Corporation. We have a watchmaker here. His name is Dan Spitz, and he moved his workshop here for that simple reason, because he wanted to be able to put on his watches Made in Gun Barrel City, Texas. Sakura glossed over one small detail when mentioning Dan Spitz. Yes, he's a watchmaker. He was also the lead guitarist in the Grammy-nominated metal band Anthrax for more than a decade. He left the band in 1995 to become a watchmaker. But guys, these are not your typical watches. According to his website, he makes a maximum of three per year. And a 2022 New York Times profile on Spitz says they start at $158,000. They start at $158,000. That is unbelievable to me, but you know what? Spitz is doing it right. I've got nothing but respect for the man and I applaud his business prowess. <laughs> it was a push to get a gun maker to come and stay here and we haven't quite got that accomplished yet. I, I think it'd be fun. I think that, you know, if we could get a whiskey made here, or a beer made here, there's so many fun name options for that, that I think would um, really resonate with people. Maybe something like whiskey business. Another thing that makes Gun Barrel City unique is that it has no city property taxes. In fact, residents have voted against it several times. The city's main source of revenue is dependent on businesses in the area doing well. So it becomes a struggle because let's say one of those major businesses that we depend on decides to move to another city or, you know, sales aren't as good that day. You can't, it's not a dependent source. So you can't always depend that money's going to be there. Um, it's, it's dependent on businesses doing well. So it causes us to have to do like, we save up money to purchase equipment um, over the years instead of buying. The city things, tries like, to stay completely loans. out of debt because we don't have the reliable property tax revenue that would be a reliable source of income, depending solely on sales tax revenue, can vary month to month and does vary. So you say you rely on the businesses doing well. What are some of the biggest businesses that would fall into that category? Our two anchors are the Walmart and Lowe's. Those bring in the most sales tax revenue annually, but we do have quite a few other retail and restaurant businesses that contribute as well. But those two main ones are really the anchors. And are there any plans for new development in the coming years? Yes, actually, we have a project coming in that's supposed to bring a, a Hilton Tapestry Hotel 
and a retail restaurant pavilion. And that actually would bring a third anchor to us. That would bring a lot of sales tax revenue. And um, it was on the waterfront. So that would be a really great source of income in sales tax revenue because it would bring people from out of town. They come here, they spend their money, and then they leave. And that's kind of the beauty of having a tourism income. Oh, well, and it and it brings kind of like during the summer months, we have such a large amount of people come through our city just visiting. And you can always tell like holiday weekends and summer months. I mean, our towns are 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 packed with people visiting the lake. Gun Barrel City has about 6,000 residents, but that number nearly doubles on summer weekends when people are visiting the lake. I, I remember growing up here too. It was it wasn't abnormal to be to know like oh that's a weekend home that's a weekend yes. home those are weekenders mm -hmm. you kind of go around this area and you you when you live here you just know oh those people only they're not always here they're kind of they're weekenders that's kind of common <laughs> if you're one of those weekenders one of gun barrel city's biggest annual events is july fest this year it's during the final weekend of july the next stop on our tour takes us to Mule Shoe, Texas. People here just kind of slur over it and say Mule Shoe. That's Alice Lyles. She's a retired English teacher who started a second career writing about her home. She's even turned the stories into a couple of books. But locals kind of say Mule Shoe and it kind of runs together. But I came across conflicting stories as to how the town got its name. Muleshoe is a town in Bailey County, and Bailey is a great name for a county also. It's in the Panhandle. It's about 70 miles northwest of Lubbock. The town was founded in 1913 when the Pecos and the Northern Texas Railway built an 88-mile track from Farwell, Texas, which is down the road from us, to Lubbock. And a town of the town of Muleshoe sprang up along the way. And then in 1926 is when Muleshoe was incorporated and the only incorporated city in the county. And I was told that there are only two counties in the whole state that have that distinction. Our research found that the only other county with one city is Loving County, that is in West Texas along the state's border with New Mexico. We are a county full of, of farmland. And of course, you know, uh, houses would spring up kind of in clusters along the way, but as far as an actual town, we're pretty much it. So what got you writing about Muleshoe? Moved here in 1980. And I had taught for 31 years, so of course, as an English teacher, and uh, loved reading, loved books. But I discovered blogs after I retired, and I would have loved to have written the Great American Novel, but I just didn't have it in me. Ah, yes, the Great American Novel. I'm working on that one myself. So I started seeing interesting stories and history of people's families around here that I just felt like were interesting to read and needed to be saved. And so I started a blog called The Bright Lights of Muleshoe. Later then, I grow cactus and succulents. And so I started adding articles about the cactus I grow. And I came up with another blog called Cactus Are Cool. And uh, both of those are on my website, which is alicelyles.com. And then I put a variety of those stories into these two books that I've just published, The Bright Lights of Muleshoe. And the second one is called Adventures Down the Texas Rabbit Hole. How did Muleshoe get its name? One of the stories is that it came from cattle branding that was being done on a ranch northwest of town, and there were no branding irons available at that point or at that particular ranch, I guess. And someone found a mule shoe that had been thrown off, and so they heated it and branded the animals with it. 
and the ranch was called Shoe Bar, and later Mule Shoe Ranch, and the nearby town kind of became Mule Shoe. Then another story is that Halsell Land and Cattle Company owned land also known as the Mashed O Ranch, and to me, a mashed O is a shape that could be compared to a mashed mule shoe because mule shoes are a little different shape to a horseshoe. The ranch, again, was nearby, and the name wound up with the town. Okay. That begs the question, which one is the right story? But I think probably the correct story is that a man named E.K. Warren, E.K. Warren and Sons of Michigan, bought a section of the XIT Ranch, which was in Bailey County, All of Bailey County was part of the XIT Ranch, one of the 10 counties that made up the ranch. And Mr. Warren's ranch was known as the Shoe Bar or Mule Shoe Ranch. And the Mule Shoe Ranch name stuck. And again, residents borrowed the name. Lyle says as far as she can tell, there are only two other cities called Mule Shoe in North America. One in Colorado and one in Alberta, Canada. A town called Mule Shoe just sounds like it belongs in Texas or Colorado, doesn't it? Well, it seems to, and it doesn't even have to be, you know, I associate it with horses because I happen to like horses, but mules did a lot back in those days, pulling plows and wagons, and they were hard workers. They were very important farm animals. I suspect people had more mules than they had horses, probably because they were cheaper, maybe. If you've heard of Mule Shoe before, it could be because the town claims actor Lee Horsley. Or it could be because the family of Jeopardy! champion Ken Jennings once had a grocery store in town. Or even because of the Mule Shoe National Wildlife Refuge. But if you're a sports fan, you've likely heard of it because it's the home of former Oklahoma and current USC head football coach Lincoln Riley. Then when Lincoln shows up, he's a big deal. And he made, uh, you know, brought a lot of people to Mule Shoe to find out about him and to learn about him. So, yeah, he kind of helped put us on the map, too, needless to say. And he has a younger brother named Garrett that's also become a, a college football coach. And so that gets Mule Shoe talked about a little bit, too. But it, it was real interesting because, you know, Lincoln was kind of my 15 minutes of fame <laughs> because people would come to Mule Shoe to talk to, to various ones of us, teachers, coaches, family, friends that knew Lincoln. Riley was the head coach at Oklahoma for five years before he left for USC. He did that right before the 2022 season. When he left uh, OU and went to California, some some diehard OU fans weren't real happy with him. But you know, that's that's kind of what coaches do. They, they mm-hmm. tend to move around sometimes. But he was a, a smart kid. I had him in class, you know, and he's very polite and approachable. So nobody really was surprised that he has done well. But you don't have to be the college football coach at one of the nation's most storied programs to make an impact. After all, that's why Lyle started writing. We had a store in town called the Fair Store, and it was run by Charlie and Georgette Isaac. And their story is extremely interesting because Charlie is Lebanese, but he was born in America. His wife is, um, without looking at the story again, Palestinian. He wound up meeting her in Matamoros, Mexico, and they got married, and they wound up in Muleshoe. Well, first they wound up in Lubbock, and then they came to Muleshoe, and they had six children, and one of their sons made the comment to me. He said, you know, mom and dad really are a prime example of capturing the great American dream. And what else is on people's to-do list when they visit a new town? That's right. 
you gotta check out the food. And there was a little drive-in uh, hamburger place here called the Dairy Delight. And it was home of the Hershey Burger. And this, the woman who ran it came up with the idea of putting a Hershey bar in the middle of a cinnamon roll and then heating it. And that was a big delicacy, I was told, uh, to people growing up here. That was already closed by the time we got here. So I've never had an, a, a genuine Hershey burger, but I always thought that was kind of an interesting name. Even the thought of the Hershey burger makes my teeth quake with fear. <laughs> like, okay, it's, I honestly, that doesn't even sound good to me. I could lie and say like, oh yeah, it sounds good, but I couldn't do it. No, it, I wouldn't do it. And also I couldn't do it. My teeth would hate me and I might uh, have like a sugar overdose or something. I can't do it. Nope, 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 not for me. Anyway, moving on, let's talk about that mule that wound up rolling down Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington for the first inauguration of President George W. Bush. It almost didn't wind up in mule shoe at all. We have old Pete, the National Mule Memorial, and he was first supposed to be in Fort Worth at the Will Rogers Coliseum, but he was going to be put in the Will Rogers Coliseum, and a bunch of people from Muleshoe said, no, a Mule Memorial should be in a town with the name Muleshoe. So they went to Fort Worth and talked to the powers that be. They brought them back to Muleshoe and convinced them that that uh, statue should actually be here. And sure enough, he wound up being here. Bailey Friday at News Radio 1080 KRLD in Dallas, Fort Worth. Thank you so much for joining me for Texas Wants to Know. If you like the show, please give us a rating and a review wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode was written and produced by Savannah Jones and Chris Blake, with editorial support from Cooper Mall and original music by Michael Eisenstein. Odyssey's managing producer for national news podcasts is Myron Kaplan.